feeling weird today. <laughs> Excellent. This is going to be a great record. <laughs> weird is good. Do we know the order? That would be... Wow, do you go first, Andy? Have I been promoted? You're first in line for once. So Andy, Keris, me, John, Hazel. Oddly enough, that is exactly the order I would have my human centipede in. Oh, I'm the bum, am I? (laughs) (laughs) It depends which way we're facing. (laughs) I'm okay with that order. (laughs) I prefer one end to the other. Don't we all? (laughs) But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to episode 88 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are Andy Chandler, Kerry Gibson, Peter Johnson. <laughs> Sorry, just <laughs> detaching myself from the centipede. Uh, John Farthing. <laughs> and I'm the bum. <laughs> On today's show, we each reveal what we've been watching this week and give you our honest reviews. Plus, Andy has a quick-fire quiz to test our knowledge of famous movie quotes. So, let's start the show. That not what heroes do. I'm very sad about this news about Batman. <laughs> and, oh. his, uh, and his selfish love-making skills. This is the great Batman oral sex debate. Yes. Oh, I hate the internet sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Garris is looking completely baffled by all of this. What's the debate? The backstory to this is the Harley Quinn animation show. Creators were stopped from doing a scene where Batman went down on Harley Quinn. And the reason that the studio gave is because that's apparently not what heroes do. And then... Fuck's sake. <laughs> wow. That's so disappointing. I, I think it might have been going down on Catwoman. Was it Catwoman? My apologies. Yeah. 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 That changes things then, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Insert pussy joke here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been sort of amused myself by thinking, is this like, does Bruce Wayne spend all his time going down on women just to prove that he can't be Batman? Incontrovertible proof. <laughs> yeah. Anytime a woman suspects to be Batman, he has to be, no, I'm not. And here's why. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> I'd just like to clarify that heroes definitely go down. Yes. <laughs> definitely. Well, I, I think it's the cowl. I think it's, I, I don't think he can. Because there's a bit in The Dark Knight, the second Christopher Nolan film, where Lucius Fox makes some joke about Batman not being able to turn his head around in the costume. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what he had in mind, though. <laughs> no, but I mean, it could, could be preventative, couldn't they? If he's got that big rubber jaw piece in place. You could have all sorts of gadgets on that. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously he can't take it off because he would reveal his secret. Yeah. But he always has a rubber. (laughs) But if any listeners would like me to prove to them that I'm not Batman. um... (laughs) I don't think there's any doubt, John. (laughs) I could be. Have you ever seen me and Batman in the same room? (laughs) No. Have you not got a model Batman somewhere in your room? I have. Aha. (laughs) I have have several. I have a 1940s Batman, a 1960s Batman, and a Tim Burton era Batman, presumably Michael Keaton. And none of them have ever attempted to go down on me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Despite my overtures in my attempt to make an adult version of Toy Story. <laughs> oh, dear. Featuring oh, dear. Woody and Buzz. Um, <laughs> right, I'm going to change the subject now. <laughs> At time of recording, uh, we have seen two episodes of Loki. What are our initial reactions? Timmy Gilliam should sue. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. It's the series I was looking forward to most after watching trailers and things. And it does look like it's going to go the places it was hinting at in the trailers, which would be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're trying not to give spoilers of any sort of detail on this for people who might watch it or for people who aren't interested. <laughs> spoilers for films you're not interested in. That's a new segment. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, a promising start. My problem is that I'm not a huge fan of Tom Hiddleston or Loki. So to have a TV show based around them is slightly not up in my street. But thank God for Mobius. Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant. So I'm very much enjoying uh, following him. Uh, following him? Yeah, let's go with it. <laughs> like, why did the chicken cross the Mobius strip? To get to the same side. I like it. Stand-up set's going well for uh, yeah. <laughs> return to the stage. It's been a, it's been, it's been a long time. <laughs> Would you like to hear the first joke I ever performed about crossing the road? Yes, please. Definitely. Yes, please. Why did the crocodile cross the road? I don't know. Because he saw a policeman. How old were you at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I was five years old. Okay, right, that makes sense. I was slightly worried now because I, I, I know you're right in a stand-up set and is, is this going to be in there? <laughs> And that was the first joke I wrote. John, are you saying that it's not up to uh, par? I, th- I think it's great. Thank you. I think you should start and end with it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you get a bigger laugh by the end. Yeah. <laughs> I was somewhere on holiday with my parents and I kind of wandered off and just found a microphone and started telling jokes. And uh, they were very embarrassed. <laughs> Don't know why. I thought I was hilarious. So has Get Off the Stage, Karis, been a, a constant thing you've heard throughout your career? My whole life. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good title for a Netflix special. <laughs> All right, Andy, uh, you have a quiz for us. I do. Um, although you said that with uh, a level of enthusiasm, which <laughs> might give a false impression of how good this quiz is. So maybe repeat that, just but sound bored and annoyed. Andy... <laughs> You have a quiz for us? Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) Sunday afternoon test time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The winner gets praise, the losers get detention. So, it's a movie quote quiz, and I'm going to say a movie quote towards you, and you will tell me what movie it's from, and that's it, really. Uh, instead of doing a, a buzzing in thing, I'll, I've curated some special quotes for each of you and you get first crack. If you can't get it, then I'll open it up to the floor. And then at the end, I'll pretend I was paying attention and declare someone the winner. Great. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, Hazel, do you want to go first? Because you're first on the list here. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. That would be Star Wars an Attack of the Clones. That is a correct. Well done. Also, in our wedding vows. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, look, the city is flying. We're fighting an army of robots and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. 
Oh, that sounds a little bit like Hawkeye saying something. Uh, oh, it's the Hawkeye TV series. Bzz. I'm I'm, I'm going to say that because I can say safely that none of us are going to watch it, so you're not going to be able to prove me wrong. Um, well, it's a movie quote quiz, John. Oh, okay. Um, is it Age of Ultron then with a flying city? It is Age of Ultron. Well done. You have excellent Hawkeye knowledge. You're clearly a fan. <laughs> Peter. Take that back. <laughs> Peter, I am serious and don't call me Shirley. Uh, airplane. It is Airplane. Well done, you. And Keris. Get away from her, you bitch. Nerdfest podcast. Alien. Correct. <laughs> and now we take it up a level, possibly. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Hazel, if you want him, come and claim him. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Liv Tyler. Yes, correct. John, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Oh, fuck off. Aww, such a good movie. It's uh, Hell is a Five. <laughs> <laughs> a good movie. It's the Christmassy thing. Christmassy thing. <laughs> Say the words, John. Uh, she just got completely blank on the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were playing for time. If you were talking about... Um, um, it's a Wonderful know, Life. Exist- it's, it's, it's a Wonderful Life, yeah. It's a Wonderful Life is correct. <laughs> Peter, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, how specifically do you mean? As specifically as I said it. Okay, in that case, Die Hard 4.0. If you're in the UK. Correct, yes. Because it was, uh, what was it, a 12 and he couldn't say the naughty word. Keris, you're terminated, fucker. The turnip maker? (laughs) Correct, it is the turnip maker. (laughs) (laughs) The first and best Terminator film. Great. We're halfway through, everyone. Stick at it. It'll be worth it in the end. (laughs) Hazel, wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lille, shake it over ice and add a thin slice of lemon peel. Is that Casino Royale? It is Casino Royale. Everyone's going to get four out of four on this and the whole thing's going to be a wasted endeavour. But (laughs) (laughs) we carry on anyway. John, Rhodes, where are we going? We don't need Rhodes. Um, That was me trying to fly to Greece, only to realise it had been put on the amber list and I couldn't actually go. (laughs) Was it Iron Man to his best friend? Oh. No. Except he's Rudy. Certainly not Terence Harrod. <laughs> <laughs> it would be um, Back to the Future. Correct. Uh, Peter, love is for children. I owe him a debt. What was the last second line? I owe him a debt. <laughs> Pay no attention to the accent. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Ooh, that's... I'm going to guess. Go on then. Love Actually. <gasps> nope. It is not Love Actually. Let's throw it open to the floor. Someone buzz in. Love is for children. I owe him a debt. Sounds really familiar, but I can't yeah. quite place it. Ah, oh, it's not Terminator Two, is it? It is not Terminator Two. It was a line that was spoken to a character that we've already discussed earlier on the show. Is it the Human Centipede? <laughs> oh Jesus! I would rather watch Audition. Um, no, right. It's Avengers Assemble. It's uh, Black Widow. Uh. Keris. Well, a boy's best friend is his mother. Uh. Oh, I have no idea. Hang on. What's that wanking? We're not wanking. It's not a porno. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like you're chucking spears. Imagine we had a knife in our hands. Oh, Chucky. No, no, no. Do you want to go away, maybe have a shower, think about the answer, come back? Psycho. Yes. It is Psycho. Well done. And we move into the final round. 
Hazel, if money is all you love, then that's what you'll receive. Mm. You have definitely seen this film. You've definitely seen it multiple times. Titanic. It is not Titanic. Anyone else want to hazard a guess? I, it feels very familiar. Definitely is. Mm. I don't know. I haven't a clue. I don't know. I can see the scene in my head. Oh. Something like There Will Be Blood? I haven't seen that. Uh, something very, very dissimilar to There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Could you say it again, Andy? If money is all you love, then that's what you'll receive. It's a woman who says it in an English accent. Nope. Fuck. That's just me. The mummy? No. <laughs> the Emmanuel in Paris. Oh, it's so clear to me. Indiana Jones. That's closer. Oh, is it a Star Wars? Oh, is it from Star the, Wars? Is it Leia to Han in Star Wars? Uh, oh, it's Leia. Did John say that first, though? He didn't specify which Star Wars. Um, New Hope. No, it's Empire, isn't it? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say it's Return of the Jedi. I think it's Empire. Oh, for the love of God. No one gets any points. It's a New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I regret writing the quiz. Let's just move on and just with the quiz and the podcast and with our lives in general. Okay, John, <laughs> I'm about to do to you what Limp Bizkit did to music in the late 90s. Mm. I like the line. Was it Batman just before he refused to? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a million miles away. Um, I know it, but I can't place it. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? No. Anyone else? Jack Black in School of Rock. I reckon that's probably closer, but it's not close. Zoolander? It's good, but it's not right. Karis, want to hazard a guess? Mamma Mia. <laughs> I mean, I've not seen it, so technically maybe, but <laughs> no, it was Deadpool. Ah. Uh, yes. Course, I was so close. <laughs> Peter, I'll give him this. His financial system is a work of genius. I couldn't undo it if I tried. And I tried. <gasps> This should be a clue how frantic I'm getting, Peter. Uh, <laughs> I, I got it halfway through. I don't recognise it. I'm starting to think you don't want to win this quiz, Hazel. Oh, I am. So obviously Hamilton. <laughs> it, it is Hamilton. Well, you'll all be very glad to hear that this is the last quote and we can move past it and forget this ever happened. <laughs> so, Keris, Hello. as long as he keeps the bad people rich and the good people scared, no one will touch him. Good people like your parents, who will stand against injustice, they're gone. What chance does Gotham have when good people do nothing? No idea. Now go down on me. <laughs> <laughs> is it the Joker? It is not. Anyone else? Uh, could it be uh, Harvey Dent before he turns into Two-Face? Yeah, Dark Knight. Incorrect. Anyone else? I think it's from, is it from The Dark Knight Rises? No, everyone gets it wrong. It was Batman Begins, and that means everyone ends the quiz with three points. It's a four-way tie, and the whole thing was a complete waste of time. Cue musical sting. All right, shall we get into our recommendations of the week? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> better. Who fancies going first? Should it be one of the women, considering we were discarded last time? <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Keris, do you want to go first? Absolutely. So this is more of an unrecommendation. I would like to tell you all about a show I've been watching called Slasher. 
Slasher is a horror anthology series. It started in 2016. A woman goes back to her hometown with her husband where her parents were murdered. She confronts the killer who is in jail. Other murders start happening in the town. The killings are inspired by the deadly sins and she ends up working with her parents' as murderer to get to the bottom of it. So, seven? Yes. <laughs> so, you say it's an anthology series. Are they all dealing with the same set of murders? I'm not sure yet. Um, I don't think so. It doesn't look like it. I'm only six episodes into the first series. There's some slaughtering, but not enough blood for me. It's only <laughs> slightly tickling my gory itch. <laughs> I think that might be because you don't see the murders happening. You just see the killer grabbing the victims and then the aftermath. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one woman is kidnapped and drugged and kept conscious, naked in a field with a drip in her as rats eat her alive. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Why would you want to see that? I resent that. I am not a drip. <laughs> <laughs> And you watch this for pleasure, do you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the acting is really bad. <laughs> Terrible. It doesn't know what it wants to be because sometimes it feels like a soap opera, but we don't watch horror films for acting. So the fact that it's called Slasher, is it kind of in the vein of like the classic 80s slashers, so things like Halloween and Friday the 13th, or is it more just a generic horror it has some feelings of that where somebody's walking down the street and you feel like they're looking over their shoulder. But the one trope that it does have in common with Halloween, which really upsets me, is whenever the killer is coming towards a victim, the men fight back or run away and the woman just collapse on the floor and turn all floppy. This just sounds incredibly sexist. That's just not how it would happen. Mm. Having the fight or flight response would kick in. Is it a current series or is it one that's been going the rounds for a couple of years? It started in 2016. Um, oh, right. I, I kind of meant like 20 years, but okay. <laughs> just in terms of their attitude to women. <laughs> this is an absolute cringe fest for me. And I feel that I'm often rooting for a lot of people to be killed off, especially <laughs> the main character. <laughs> Why does the main character start investigating? Is she a detective or a police officer or something, or is it just a bit of a hobby? She's a painter. Right. <laughs> okay. Her husband is part of the local newspaper, so he has an obligation to look into the murders. And she finds herself getting really drawn in to find out what's happened, because the first suspect is her parents' killer who's in jail. But because he has an insight to the criminal mind, she starts working with him to try and understand. So it's also Silence of the Lambs? Yes, slightly. But once you start watching it, you can't stop. My housemate keeps getting sucked into watching episodes with me. And I don't know if I should say this, it's a bit of a spoiler, but it's just really obvious from, from the first five minutes that the killer is the husband. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> How do you know that? It could be a very obvious red herring, but he keeps acting like, oh, I'm just nipping out, honey. And then he nips off to work at a very random time at like 11.30 p.m. And at 11.35 p.m., somebody's attacked next door. And then afterwards he comes and he's like, oh, is everyone okay? I hadn't really left for work after all. <laughs> Oh, and on my way back, I accidentally got um, uh, raspberry jam all over myself. That's what this <laughs> <Yes. stuff> is. 
<laughs> it sounds wonderful. It's terrible and brilliant. <laughs> so if this uh, merely tickles your gory itch, what does it take to really exacerbate it? <laughs> Choose your words carefully. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I could, I could go into that, but I don't think it would be appropriate. <laughs> this week especially, something is making me feel really gory. And I was telling Peter this earlier. I really want to be in a horror movie. As the killer? As the victim or as the final girl? Or all three? <laughs> that would make a great twist. Yeah, no one will see that coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be your uh, non-floppy sidekick. Oh, great. Cool. So um, how many, it was obviously the husband who did it out of 10, would you give it? I would give it a hard four. Oof. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite well received online generally. People saying that it's quite entertaining and throwback to kind of slasher and horror movies of the 80s and that it's quite self-aware and I think people seem to prefer it to something like American Horror Story so I'm a little surprised that you're not really that into it. I love American Horror Story. I've been re-watching the cult series but with American Horror Story the cinematography, the acting is just beautiful and the characters are amazing. With this the characters are not three-dimensional the acting is very bad. The main character just has one facial expression. <laughs> Which is? <laughs> is it all floppy? <laughs> it's as if she's just in a really bad fart and somebody she fancies has walked into the room. <laughs> we, we're recording this podcast without video at the moment. and I just wanted to see Karis's face while she described that. All right, video back on. <laughs> Go on, Karis. Oh, okay, hang on. <laughs> that's a meerkat that's just shit itself and hope nobody noticed <laughs> thank you Karis amazing thank you everyone alright who wants to go next you'd like to go next Ander sure I'll go next uh, I would like to recommend Cutler which is a mystery drama series that recently came to Netflix so Cutler uh, is the name of a volcano in Iceland and the show takes place in its shadow It's been constantly erupting for a year at the beginning of the series, and the nearby village of Vic is mostly abandoned, with the only remaining inhabitants being volcanic researchers and those who provide essential services. Life is very hard, with the air dangerous to breathe and the whole landscape blanketed in a thick layer of black ash. The drama kicks off with the sudden appearance of a young girl out on the glacier, uh, which is by the volcano. She's covered in ash and suffering from hypothermia. She's taken to the hospital and, after treatment, reveals that she is a Swedish woman named Gunhild and that she works at the local hotel. This can't be possible, though, as nobody works at the hotel but its owner. The owner, though, remembers a Swedish girl named Gunhild who worked there 20 years ago, but has long since moved away and grown up. What's going on? More people impossibly arrive at the settlement, coated in ash and unable to explain where they've been. I just want this show, at the end of every episode, someone to look at the camera and go, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, continue. (laughs) Well, funnily enough, Katla is um, Icelandic for what's going on, so it all connects. Uh Um, But uh, this this woman, Gunhild, is not the only uh, mysterious black ash-covered person to show up on the glacier. More arrive at the settlement, um, unable to explain where they've been or, what, or what's going on. These are people who were missing, they were thought dead, or they were very, very definitely, absolutely dead. <laughs> so we've got no idea who they are or, or what's going on. 
We don't know if they are who they appear to be. Are they imposters? Are they clones? Robots? Hallucinations made flesh or high-functioning zombies? I will hopefully know what's going on by the end. I'm only halfway through. Uh, it's an eight-episode series, uh, but it's gripping so far. Something supernatural must be afoot, um, but the show is actually less concerned with speculating about the delicious mystery and more focused on the human impact of these people and possibly reappearing to family members and friends and so on who have if not made peace with um, their disappearance, at least kind of uh, accepted it in some way and it kind of reopens wounds and so on. So it's, it's yeah, focused on, on the humanity of it. The first episode felt a little bit dry and flat because there was a lot of setting things up and, and less of the emotion. But from episode two onwards, it's become a phenomenal exploration of people dealing with a mixture of joy and trauma while trying to work out what's going on. <laughs> Are you trying to get a catchphrase going here? I think I have successfully got a catchphrase going here. Uh, The show looks great. Uh, It's got all the appearance of expensive prestige TV shows, and it's shot in a wonderful cinematic way, so it makes a lot of use of shallow focus and careful placement of characters within the frame to convey information visually. So I I like the way that it looks. I like the way that it comes across. It's, It's quite engaging that way. Uh, A huge strength is the setting. So there's imposing Icelandic landscapes that wouldn't look out of place in The Lord of the Rings. Uh, mountains and ash clouds and glaciers and all sorts create a nightmarish environment for the characters to navigate and the piles of ash everywhere leave the characters kind of looking almost monochromatic by contrast um it yeah, looks alien it, it looks a bit like hell for the latest series of star trek they filmed somewhere like iceland didn't they john i think they did yeah um, which is where they did a lot of the alien landscapes it does look spectacular yeah, looks awesome. The, the background, the settings, the landscapes, uh, it's almost a character in itself. It, it kind of creates this kind of foreboding sense of doom or, well, mystery and um, not so much evil, but but it, it's unsettling is what it is. I wouldn't want to live there. There was a rash of this sort of thing a couple of years ago. We had Le Revenant was the French one and there was another called The Returned. There was another one where like 10% of the population all vanished and things. Mm. It's like all of a sudden everyone seemed to be trying to make the same stories. There was the 4400. Yes. Have you seen any of those for comparison? Nope. So it's completely original <laughs> to me. Although it, <laughs> okay. I, I, as, as yet, I haven't understood what's going on, but it could be more simple just than, than people who have died are being resurrected or uh, cloned or whatever it is, because the first person to appear, uh, Gunhild, they get in touch with the actual Gunhild, who is 20 years older and living in Uppsala in Sweden. Oh. Yeah, and she ends up coming to visit. So she didn't die, or maybe she did. I don't know. She could be a robot. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Is this like a limited series then? So we know that you're going to hopefully get some answers at the end of episode eight. I'm not sure. I think Netflix describes it as as a series, and when it has um, a limited series, it will specifically say limited series. So there could well be a series too. I've got four episodes left to watch. I'm very excited to find out both what the hell is going on. But also how the people manage to cope. Um, I, I really do like the, the human element. It's a wonderfully constructed human drama with a cool, dark mystery edge to it. So it's on Netflix, eight episodes, all around the 40 to 45 minute mark. And it's mostly in Icelandic with uh, subtitles, but there are some uh, conversations in Swedish and some in English as well. So you don't have to read the entire time. Although, unfortunately, episode eight is actually just episode one and it's come back again. Oh, that would explain what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to watch this because it sounds fascinating, but I'm going to watch it after you've watched the end of it because I want to know that the writers know what's going on and we're not in a a lost situation. It was a smoke monster all along. (laughs) Yeah, it was Agatha all along.
It's always the husband. <laughs> uh, it, it feels more contained and more focused than lost. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. It could be that the writers don't know what's going on. Um, but then there's a lot of that going around these days. So I think the fact that it's not American means that they probably do know what's going on. <laughs> not not being racist towards Americans because, you know, half of them are okay. There's going to be another apology episode. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a lot of these sort of mystery American series really, really suffer because they want that money pot of a big, long-running series and they, they go into it. Yeah. You might even like Twin Peaks, which is, you know, one of the greatest TV shows of all time, really, really suffered in the second season. So I will wait and hear for you to report back before I... I dip my toe in the volcano of confusion. Excellent. <laughs> so how many what is going on's out of ten? Uh, I would give it eight so far, just because the first episode was was a little bit weak. But if it continues at the level of quality it's, it's had for the last few episodes, then it'll easily be nine out of ten by the end, if not higher. Mm. Mm. Sounds good. Um, Hazel, would you like to go first? First? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to be the first to go next? <laughs> I meant before me this time. <laughs> After last time. Yes, sure. Okay. Um, so I need to whisper my recommendation. I hope this is okay. It's a quiet place part two, and this is how loud they can talk. So I thought we should honour that. Okay. Pardon? Pardon? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yes, A Quiet Place Part 2 is uh, my recommendation. Uh, So this is the sequel to uh, John Krasinski's directorial debut and somewhat unexpected box office hit. So the first one came out in 2018 and earned $340 million at the worldwide box office on a $17 million budget. I think we were all pretty big fans of that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So that what it centered on the premise that these big fuck off monsters had somehow arrived on Earth and they used sound to hunt their prey. Uh, so anything louder than a whisper or like a crack in it, like a twig or anything, yeah. it would probably mean instant uh. death uh, because these. Uh. You're okay. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, or a sneeze, yes. Um, uh, Yeah, these creatures came seemingly out of nowhere to attack. Uh, The film centred on the Abbott family, uh, with John Krasinski playing the patriarch, Lee, uh, real wife, uh, real life wife even, Emily Blunt playing his wife, Evelyn, and they had three children. I say had because, uh, spoilers for the first movie, uh, one of them got wiped out pretty early on. Anyway, so we have the sequel. Uh, It's been delayed for a year because of that thing but um a quiet place two has got triple the budget of the original and is now out in cinemas can you tell the difference in budget yes i think so there's a few more action pieces and a few kind of different locations so yeah i think you probably can see it on the screen could a lot of the budget be that having made 340 million dollars on a 70 million dollar budget john krasinski and emily blunt won't pay in this time <laughs> possibly yeah <laughs> Um, I think a lot of the money went into this very cool prologue. So the film does pick up basically minutes after the ending of the first one, apart from this very cool prologue. And it goes back to day one of the monsters arriving. So you see how suddenly it all happened. Uh, And it's a great action piece. Uh, Kind of got Jurassic Park vibes from it. So then we go straight into the beginning of Quiet Place Part 2. We're reminded of that nail. 
I'm going to try and avoid major spoilers for the end of the first part. But yes, we are uh, left with what <laughs> what remains of the Abbott family. They're trying to, their best to survive in their newfound circumstances. And soon we meet Killian Murphy's character, Emmett, who is one of their old neighbours. They have not seen Emmett since the first day of the attack. And it's not clear whether he's going to be a help or a hindrance to the family. Now, apparently John Krasinski was initially reluctant to do the sequel. You know, he thought that the first one worked really, really well as a standalone. But of course, the money that it generated, it, it definitely motivated the studio to do a follow up. He said initially, I'm like, I'm not going to get involved. But the studio asked him if he had an idea or two that they could um, offer up and help inspire other directors and writers that they were talking to. And John Krasinski said, well, yes, I have had this one idea, and that was to make uh, Regan, so the daughter, played amazingly by Millicent Simmons, the main character. So we all know what happened. John Krasinski couldn't help himself. He wrote down the idea. It turned into a full-on screenplay. So it does what a lot of sequels do, which is split up the main characters. So we have Regan, who is deaf. Um, she breaks away and from the family and goes off on a mission that she believes will bring help and rescue. I think she was like the star of the first movie, but she's even more of the star here and she's just incredible. And then we have, of course, the rest of the family. They have their own story and they are trying to protect this newborn baby who is literally a couple of hours old and they have their own challenges that they need to face, including how the hell do you keep a newborn baby quiet? So there's a huge amount of tension. The tension was part of the first film. It's definitely part of this one. New characters, very, very interesting. So Killian Murphy and also Jaiman Hensu, they really add a lot to it. I think it's a really worthy sequel. I'm really glad they did it. Maybe it's not quite on the same par as the first movie, but it, it, it's getting there. It's biting at its heels. And John Krasinski, he shows off more of his directorial skills as well as his writing abilities. I think he did a really, really good job. I won't go into spoilers, but let's just say that something gets revealed about the monsters, which is incredibly convenient and also a bit of a head scratcher at the same time. There's not enough screen time for some of the characters. Um, but that being said, really solid 90 minute film. Please go and see it in the cinema if you feel safe. Just don't bring any loud snacks in. <laughs> Is his daughter not suddenly jump up several years in age in a few minutes? Mm -hmm. Is that jarring or do they manage to... I imagine if you were one of the people who went to see it as a double bill, you'd probably mm -hmm. find it a bit jarring. But I hadn't seen the original since it came out, so I couldn't quite remember. So no, it wasn't jarring for me. Hmm. Now I'm going to guess what the reveal is about the aliens. Can we each have a guess and you can say who's closest? <laughs> sure. As, yeah. as well as the high frequencies, um, they find out that the laugh of Sid James causes them to explode and they spend the rest of the film travelling around in those vans they use at elections to say, like, come out and vote for so-and-so, playing carry-on DVDs at loud volume over the speakers. It's amazing that studios don't call you more often, John, mm. and ask you for ideas. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, that's that's not accurate. Anyone else? Is it the sound of Korean K-pop makes their head explode? <laughs> no, is that just you? <laughs> I heard my first Korean K-pop this morning. Mm -hmm. My five-year-old nephew is obsessed with the song Butter by BTS and insisting on getting our Alexa to play it whilst he danced loudly in the kitchen and singing along to it. <laughs> we need to get this stopped. 
<laughs> Are we specifying Korean K-pop in order to differentiate it from uh, Kazakh K-pop? Yes. I'm fairly certain it comes out of Kazakhstan as well. So pleased I managed to think of another country that begins with K. Kurdistan? It was well worth it for that joke. Karis, any, uh, any ideas? What is revealed about the monsters? They are incels. The, the what, sorry? They're angry white <laughs> men on the internet. <laughs> That's what they are. Yes. Well, they're, they're, they are traditionally <laughs> underrepresented in movies. Yeah. Bless them. Offended by oral sex. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did like it, and it's definitely, definitely one for the uh, the cinema. Um, the atmosphere is is great, and it's a special experience to be at the cinema and have an audience be fucking quiet for a change. Uh, it's very nice. <laughs> And uh, I thought that the, the biggest strengths of the film were the acting. Uh, certainly, uh, Killian Murphy and um, Millicent Simmons uh, were particularly excellent. And of course, the, the masterful creation of tension, uh, as, as in the first film, was absolutely stupendous. Uh, but I didn't enjoy it quite as much as Hazel overall. And I thought that the writing was a, a bit weak. But I, I felt that the ending was a little bit abrupt. And then afterwards, I thought, well, what else would they have done after that happened? And then figured nothing really, because I didn't feel that there was any kind of emotional or philosophical conflict to be resolved. Uh, but it's still a, a, an enjoyable experience, but overall, maybe a level below the first film. Is the twist that they are all saved by a sullen fish? And thus the title works on two levels? <laughs> <laughs> that is closer than you think, actually. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> so, um, how many Chekhov's nails would you give it out of ten? Oh yeah. Oh, there, oh, there's another like moment like that, but just times ten. Oh, brilliant! Which really makes you win. I loved that bit. Yeah. Oh, oh, Keris, you'll really get off on this. <laughs> get off! Take your tissues yeah. in the cinema. Good. <laughs> <laughs> And a mop, yeah. Um. <laughs> they have a special room for that at some cinema. Everyone in the cinema deadly silent apart from ooh, <laughs> ooh, a nail, <laughs> scratching my gory itch. <laughs> You'll be going, oh my god, a bear trap. Oh. That sounds so hot. Uh, I would give it eight. Chekhov nails? Was that where you started, Peter? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Out of ten. And hopefully there's going to be a third one as well. Mm. Because money. <laughs> Excellent. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. I would like to recommend a Bo Burnham comedy, in quotation marks, special called Inside, which is on Netflix. Now, Bo Burnham is somebody I'd kind of perhaps unfairly disregarded. I know he was famous as like a YouTube comedian who I think when he was sort of 15 or 16 was doing musical little comedy skits on YouTube that got a massive following and then a record deal. Mm -hmm. And he just sounded like somebody that I would hate. <laughs> That's the assumption rather than that he might actually have some sort of talent. Now, yeah, rather, <laughs> rather than actually go and investigate his works, I thought he sounds a bit of a twat. Yep, I'm right there with you. But then he, he went on to some stand-up specials and then apparently had panic attacks and stopped performing live comedy. Yeah. Since then, he's directed a film called Eighth Grade, which I haven't seen, but has got astonishingly good reviews. And he's also turned his hand to acting. I thought he was great in Promising Young Woman, where he played the, mm -hmm. the boyfriend of the lead character. Ah, oh, I hadn't realised that was the same person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this new special, he's wrote, directed, produced, edited the whole thing. 
over a period of about a year where, like the rest of us, he has been in lockdown and has spending quite a lot of time inside. It's edited um, non-linearly. Non-linearly? It's, edi- sorry, it's edited non-consecutively, I will say, because I can say that word. <laughs> um, so we kind of cut back and forth over the course of the year, during which time he kind of doesn't shave or cut his hair. So we see, you know, a gradual change in his appearance, which kind of helps us ground where we are. And we start off, you know, fairly positively with about half an hour of comedy songs and sketches. Very, very funny, very well done. If you like Tim Minchin, I would say you would kind of like that kind of thing. Or Lonely Island, perhaps. And very innovatively mm. filmed by himself with cameras in one room, but managed to do very interesting things with lighting and projection and editing. Made me feel guilty for having all the same technological crap here <laughs> yeah. and not having made my mm. own TV special with it in the past <laughs> year. But there's kind of undercurrents of something darker in there. And mm-hmm. as we get towards the halfway mark and towards the end, the, the, the jokes are still there. But what you are watching is somebody grappling with the anxieties and the difficulties that we've all had in lockdown and looking almost like he's having some sort of breakdown that he's really, really struggling. And that's represented in his songs and his appearance and his monologues to come, including one sort of towards the end where he's basically, I wouldn't say he's considering suicide, but he's kind of talking about suicide in a way that it's obviously something that's been playing in his mind. And the way that that is shot, I thought was brilliant with, I, I don't want to spoil it too much, but the, the, the two versions of the person that you see having that discussion Recorded probably about a year apart. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. And I think it's probably, there's been a lot of terrible lockdown art. I think this is one of the few things I've seen that worked really, really well. The only thing I would say, and I don't know if this is a criticism or not, is I'm not sure how much of what we're seeing is artifice. It looks very ramshackle, but that's deliberately done. Every shot and every edit, I think, is very, very carefully considered. And I think I'm going to watch it again to make a decision on that. Peter, you've seen it. And Hazel and Andy, have you seen it as well? I've seen it, yeah. I've only seen the first half an hour, which I thought was great and I really enjoyed it. Uh, But Judith was like, nope, turn this self-indulgent crap off (laughs) after (laughs) half an hour. (laughs) Yeah, she wasn't having any of it. So I shall try and watch the rest later. Yeah, I think you need to watch it because I think the second half contextualises the first half as well. Mm-hmm. gives it a strength and an importance that it probably didn't have if you're just expecting silly jokes. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it said a great deal about what the past year has done to a lot of our brains. There's a lot of stuff in there about the internet um, and how we're sort of addicted to it. And um, sometimes it can be like really funny. Um, so there's a song called A White Woman's Instagram. That's the comedy highlight, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's really uh, good. That's my favourite one where it's got these random Lord of the Rings quotes attributed to Martin Luther King and uh, some (laughs) really, really good stuff in there. And also the way he's gone through recreating all the sort of obvious images from Instagram. And there's so much time it must take. You've got to be impressed at the work he's put in. There's a great, I'm going to call it a geopolitical debate with a sock puppet. That's when it's like the most watchable. When he turns it on himself, that's when it like kind of gets at your heartstrings and you start kind of internalising a lot of the stuff that he kind of talks about. There's a really, really good scene where he, he's doing a scene to camera and then he'll do his commentary on what he's doing and then it'll kind of keep repeating itself. I think it's a really, really good way of talking about self-revision. 
So it's like this internal criticism that's going on in his head, this um, like imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of us feel. And a lot of that stuff is like really relatable. So yeah, I think it exists on a very, very deep level. Uh, and I think it's one of the most interesting pieces that captures the past year. Also, he has released it as an album on Spotify, so you can kind of listen back to the songs and kind of take them in again, mm-hmm. which I have been doing. Louise has had the album on repeat play, I think, this week. The songs are very, very catchy. It's not, not an easy watch by any stretch, but um, if you're looking for something that's going to get your brain cogs going a little bit, then just something completely different. I think it's always hinted throughout, you know, there's, there's something darker underneath. There was a stand-up that we watched, say, a year or two ago with a female stand-up. Um, Nanette. Yeah, and it starts as fairly conventional comedy and mm-hmm. then goes very, very dark. Making you believe it's one thing and then turning into another thing can uh, quite catch you off guard, can't it? Yeah, but I mean, even just as Peter says, on a technical level, it's absolutely amazing the fact that he's done all this himself mm-hmm. in one room with, yeah. with, with all this equipment. Complete show-off. <laughs> How many, not sure if you should be laughing at a time like this, out of ten? Um, I wasn't sure if I should be laughing nine times out of ten. <laughs> Excellent. Peter? Yes, I have something totally different. I would like to recommend Black Summer, which is a very in-your-face POV zombie series made by The Asylum, set in the same world as their hit Z Nation TV show. I really enjoyed the first season last year because it uses this one continuous shot feel throughout all the action sequences that makes it feel simultaneously quite cheap to make, but also quite visceral and real because of its rough-and-ready style. And this makes it feel like the polar opposite to the stagnation you perhaps get in The Walking Dead nowadays. Like one cut of the dead. Yes, very much. It follows multiple characters at once and shows their timelines overlapping, so you often see events happening in the background in one sequence that you pick up later in another. Each jump is accompanied by a fade to black and a title card for the next sequence, and then piecing it all together and how they fit is a big part of the fun. Sometimes you might know what's going to happen before the characters, because you've already seen the same events from a different viewpoint. They love to play games with a viewer like that. For example, the character you're following might run up to a camper van only to have it stolen by someone else at the last minute. Then later you see the same sequence from the point of view of the person who stole it and discover there was really a gunman hiding in the back seat. The real enemy is very often other humans acting in their own self-interest rather than the zombies themselves. It starts with soldiers evacuating people from a zombie-infested suburb. A mother gets separated from her daughter and has to fight her way to the stadium they're evacuating everyone from. There are lots of other characters involved, but right from the start you have no idea who's going to survive, and they do enjoy wrong-footing you with the sudden death of someone you thought was going to be significant, or might perhaps even become the hero of the piece. Often they show a complex scene happening in the background, like a group of ten survivors attacking a squad of soldiers in the snow, but focusing almost entirely on the face of a single terrified actor in the foreground, making you experience their emotion and fear, rather than following the action scene as a dispassionate observer. We found it works best when binged. It sets quite a unique pace that doesn't always sit well with other more normally paced TV. And they're only half an hour each, so it doesn't take much time to do it. I really enjoyed that first season of eight episodes and a second season has just started on Netflix last week. We enjoyed it tons more than, say, Army of the Dead. I found it a much more satisfying experience. Has anyone else seen it? No. No, I watched watched the trailer (laughs) this morning. I watched the one minute trailer. Okay. What did that tell you? Oh, I, I mean, it's the asylum, isn't it? So presumably mm-hmm. it's made on a budget of 20 pence. 
It is, and it makes <laughs> brilliant use of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I kind of admire what they did on what is probably a low budget. I mean, you still have scenes sometimes with 40 or 60 people in them. Mm -hmm. uh, so budget's spent on that, but it's not on cinematography. Mm -hmm. I found the lower the budget, the better. Yes, it can be. Just chuck a bucket of cheap blood over us <laughs> and that'll do fine. I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Hazel. Quick, Kevis, come to the prom with us. You're the homecoming queen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It must be quite hard to do a zombie film with a dose of originality at the mm, moment. Yes. Is, uh, does, it, does it have that? I think so. I have watched quite a lot of zombie stuff. I've watched more Walking Dead than I really should have done. <laughs> or that anyone should have done, probably. There's no such thing as too much Walking Dead. <laughs> Even though it might be just three people stuck in a diner with zombies outside, it finds enough interesting things to do in that episode mm -hmm. and different ways to put them in danger or have them have to make decisions about whether to take a risk or not, that it does keep it interesting. It looks very much like a kind of more fun Walking Dead, which has kind of increasingly disappeared up its own arsehole. Yeah. And uh, zombie arsehole is not where you want to be. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's very little dialogue. Mm -hmm. You can see it on their face how they feel about things. They're fucking terrified. Mm. Does this not get quite time to watch over a long period, though? It's kind of all movement and action and long shots. And... Well, maybe that's why it works in little bursts mm -hmm. and it keeps varying the rhythm as well as you cut from place to place. You may have gone from frantic action for one person to a, a quiet bit as someone just goes between buildings and you know something's going to happen. You don't know what it is. Uh, occasionally something doesn't happen <laughs> significant during that. Uh, but then later on you rewind and pick it up mm -hmm. and then you see what happens. It's very well constructed. It makes a lot out of not very much. How is the point of view shot? Is it, is it a kind of a, a found footage thing or is it um, just shot from first person perspective? Or Imagine people were acting it out and there was a cameraman following them around all the time. You know the Chris Hemsworth Netflix thing, Extraction, where okay. they do a long sequence in the middle of that that all feels like it's done in one edit. It has that sort of feel in terms of, ah, <laughs> oh my God, how are we going to get out of this? The feeling that you're actually there in the action. Oh, it sounds cool. I don't think I'd call it point of view, but... Um... <laughs> right. But is there a lot of um, handheld as the shaky cam? Because that kind of thing doesn't sit too well with me. Just enough to make it exciting, not enough to make you vom. I hate shaky cam. Mm, me too. How did you do with Cloverfield? I didn't like the shaky cam, but I remember enjoying the movie a lot. I watched Blair Witch before I came out of the cinema mm. on a terrible knockoff VHS, and it was absolutely terrifying. It was like, you know, the, the, the worst picture quality. It was like finding some undiscovered artefact. So did it add extra layers of shakiness yeah. as the person holding the camera in was also Shaking. shaking about? <laughs> yeah. Did he occasionally have to duck the camera down because uh, someone was coming through the cinema? Yes, yeah, so occasionally somebody would like walk past with some popcorn and sit down in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Which only adds to the terror. <laughs> you mentioned like the characters. You often don't know when someone's going to bite the mm. dust. I don't know if I'd like that. I might start to like a character and then they go, it kind of like, it might be like season five of 24 and it's like, well, my entire favourite cast is now dead. So thanks for that. Mm. You like Game of Thrones though, don't you? Game of Thrones is all your yeah. favourite characters, Dane. Ned Shark. Ned Shark? Ned Shark. <laughs> Ned Shark. Ned Shark. Yes, he got eaten by Bruce. That was probably one of the most shocking TV deaths of all time. And I didn't know if they were going to be able to carry it on after that. Obviously, they did, and they did it very well. But I tend to grow fond of certain characters. And if um, mm. they have an early departure, I tend to 
resent the show, say fuck off to the writers and never watch it ever again. Because of your relationship with the character, which is more just, you know, you're following along as they go through this terrifying experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not discussing things with the character. You're not reasoning with the character or learning about them or their backstory necessarily. Right. There's not that degree of attachment to Sever. Okay. It's more you've just been in their body for a moment. Yeah. Okay. There's that terrible trope in The Walking Dead, isn't there, where if in the first five minutes of the episode a character suddenly has a lot of backstory or a new romantic relationship or showing any sign of <laughs> it happiness. really obvious. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> we could tell every time. Yeah. It was, he's going to die. <laughs> I fear The Walking Dead also, if the character's going to die, they're almost always in the title card. They have unique title cards for every mm-hmm. episode. That's a bit of a bloody clue. Have you seen the new third Walking Dead show that I've forgotten the title of, but it's like the teenagers dead? Oh, Walking Dead Academy or something equally horrible, isn't it? Because it's about kids. <laughs> yeah. Walking Dead, the next generation. I think we maybe got through the entire first episode of that mm-hmm. before going, nope, no thank you. So how many brains out of ten? <laughs> oh, if you're after some good trashy fun... I'll give it nine brains out of ten. <laughs> Where is it on the gorometer? Does Karis need to prepare herself? <laughs> Does Karis need to pack a tissue? Uh, let's see. Um, a tissue? A tissue? <laughs> How dare you? Or possibly you. a bucket. Um, yeah. Let's give it eight. Oh. Mainly Ooh. for surprise value rather than explicit goal. All right. Get yourself comfortable, Karis. <laughs> I will. Turn off all other distractions and uh, get get jiggy with the. <laughs> wow! What have we become? That is it for today's episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, you can keep up to date with our news and musings on social media. We're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. So do give us a follow and we'll probably do the same back to you if you're not too creepy. Uh, it also <laughs> it also helps us enormously if you can leave us a rating or even better, a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to show our appreciation... John has a special prize for you. What's today's prize, John? Yes, uh, if you like or tweet us, then I will send Keris round to your house with a bunch of video nasties. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Yeah. Until next time, you've been listening to... A man who wants to know what's going on. <laughs> a woman who wants to be in your wildest horror fantasies. <laughs> a man who wishes we're all being chased by zombies so we could record this podcast in one continuous take for once. <laughs> a man who wants to announce to the world that Bruce Wayne is back. Oh, what are you doing, Bruce? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, John? Is that what you think oral sex sounds like, John? <laughs> <laughs> There's more kind. <laughs> now, John, do the other noises from Batman's End. <clears throat> Batman's End? <laughs> Why Batman? <laughs> and a woman for whom the only man she'll ever allow to shush her is John Kaczynski. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Nice. Bye. 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 <laughs>
going on. 